You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome, my lovely friends, to another episode. Tis I, your host, Rebecca Henson. I am super stoked that you're joining me for this episode. I am experimenting with doing bi-weekly podcast episodes. Uh, it just feels like it would work better for me mentally um, at this point. And then I can put even more uh, love and attention into each episode to get the very best information out there for y'all. And hence this episode, which is about a few topics that I am very passionate about, and those happen to be the three F's, which are fasting, fragrances, and freedom. Now, none of these really have that much to do with each other. They're just topics that I wanted to discuss, and we're just going to jump right into it. The first being fasting. So most of the time when people hear of fasting, they get really freaked out, kind of like they do when they hear about meditation. It seems scary and impossible in their minds to do. How could you not eat? Um, or in meditation, how could you not think? Which, again, both of these are not exactly accurate for the most part, um, especially with meditation. Meditation is not about Stopping your mind from thinking is about controlling your mind, thoughts, and focusing on something. But with fasting, yes, part of it is not eating. But we're going to get into the science of it and why it's so beneficial and how you can overcome your fears of fasting. With fasting, uh, this dates back thousands of years ago, uh, different healers promoting fasting, and exploring the benefits of it. It's also been done for spiritual reasons. A lot of different religions have different time periods in the year where they fast. And it's something that is not new. However, of course, modern society tries to name a bunch of different types of fasting. Um, There are quite a few different names and ways to fast, I suppose. Um, One of them is intermittent fasting, which a lot of us are familiar with. I intermittent fast. I have intermittent fasted for years. Uh, And this just basically means that you are restricting the window for when you are eating. So that could mean that you stop eating in the evening by six or seven, and then your first meal, your break fast, breakfast, I mean, duh. So you're breaking your fast later in the day as opposed to, you know, when you wake up and you have your tea or your coffee or whatnot. So instead of eating at that point, you would wait maybe until 11 or maybe even till lunchtime. So this can, it's also called cyclic fasting. And so you're basically ranging from 14 to 18 hours, generally not eating. And then your window for consuming food is either six to eight hours. 
And I think that this is um, definitely one of the easier things for people to do on a daily basis, at least for me. Um, In the morning, if you do wake up and you're hungry, the key is to drink a lot of liquids. So wake up and have your tea, um, drink a lot or lemon water and have that on hand throughout the morning until you are ready to consume some food. Um, but then there's some other things called time restricted eating, which is kind of the same. I don't really know why they have all these different names, (laughs) but they do. And this would be just a smaller window of when you're abstaining from food. So anywhere between 12 to 16 hours versus the 14 to 18 hours with the intermittent fasting. And then there is something called 16, 18 fasting. And this is also like time restricted eating, uh, fasting for 16 hours a day and then eating for eight hours. Um, again, this basically just sounds like intermittent fasting or the other one. Again, I don't know why they have all these different names. Um, And then there's alternate day fasting, and this is more restrictive. So you are restricting the amount of calories you're eating during your fasting days, but this does not mean that you aren't eating at all. It actually is just restricting the amount of food you're eating. So it's basically 25% of your normal caloric intake and you would alternate days on this. Um, you wouldn't do it every day. You would just do certain days that you reduced your caloric intake. I don't know why this is actually called fasting because you're not abstaining from food. The, the definition of fasting is the act of abstaining from food. And that would mean all foods. So just restricting how much you're eating uh, doesn't really seem like it's fasting to me, but whatever. <laughs> now, as I said before, fasting is not something new. It has been used for centuries for various different reasons. Hinduism practices fasting and believes it to purify the body and mind and that it also achieves, quote, pure grace. Of course, the Catholics fast during Lent. And when it comes to fasting for health, Hippocrates, the father of medicine, who lived between 460 BC to 375 BC, recommended it for his patients to abstain from food and drink to cure ailments as it was believed that fasting helped the body recover naturally from illnesses. In the 19th century, they started doing more studies uh, on fasting with animals and humans And it was used often for all kinds of different ailments, epilepsy, diabetes, obesity, um, and was used to purify the body and rest the digestive organs, which I want to speak about soon. But as far as modern day pioneers go, that title goes to Walter Longo, who is a gerontologist and award-winning researcher. He is a biological science professor and director of the Longevity Institute at the University of Southern California, and he has been studying the benefits of fasting for years now. And one of the things that he discovered was that true fasting, 
which means drinking only water, is very, very difficult to most people, many and most people. So he developed a fasting mimicking diet or FMD. And this took many years of study, but what they came up with is low protein, low sugar, and relatively high fat that creates a similar effect of fasting. You can learn more about that from Walter Longo's website, which is walterlongo.com. And I will put that information in the show notes, of course. So fasting has been shown to have many, many benefits. And one of the main ones being that it is anti-aging, slows the aging process, but it also helps heal, can help heal chronic disease, autoimmune disease, uh, of course, naturally lose weight. It can lower, help lower bad cholesterol and decrease triglycerides. As I mentioned before, when it comes to digestion, intermittent fasting or fasting is extremely helpful because, makes a lot of sense, every time you eat, we eat food, our digestive system starts working. And it spends a lot of energy, has to admit a lot of energy on breaking down the food. So when you are not eating, your body can spend more attention and more energy on areas of your body that need to heal. So this can be really helpful for people who have digestive disorders or for people who have, like I said, autoimmune disease or chronic disease, because a lot of things, most disease is linked to the gut. So when we give the gut some time to rest, some time to repair, if you have leaky gut, any of these things, fasting can be extremely beneficial, whether that's intermittent fasting or, uh, or doing a full day or two days of just doing liquids, it can be extremely helpful. And this is also because fasting creates something called autophagy. Autophagy is basically cleaning out bad cells. So it's like a kind of cellular housekeeping, if you will. It's when our body has the time and attention to focus on cleaning up dead or harmful cell matter. So when we go into a fasting period or caloric restriction, this is when autophagy, the state of autophagy is really ramped up. And like I said, it's a kind of cellular housekeeping. So when cells are in a famine mode and don't have to break down food, they pause their usual tasks and stop dividing. And then instead they work on repairing and recycling these damaged components and cleaning out all that, all that junk, all that bad stuff. So again, an amazing reason for fasting. And this is um, one of the reasons that it has anti-aging benefits is because of that autophagy. There's also something called telomeres, which are sections of DNA that are found at the end of our chromosomes. And these have a lot to do with aging process and how long we will live. Uh, There are a lot of contributing factors of things that will shorten our telomeres, essentially shortening shortening our lives. And these factors are not surprising. Uh, they include being overweight, having a sedentary lifestyle, 
uh, eating a very poor diet of highly processed foods, smoking, not surprising there, but our telomeres can actually regenerate and potentially lengthen when we fast or go into uh, caloric restriction. So as I said earlier, whenever we're not eating, our cells stop replicating. And every time our cells replicate, our telomeres are shortened. So when we go into a fasting period, our telomeres stop shortening and they can potentially regenerate and lengthen, which will also in turn lengthen our life expectancy and of course increase our health and well-being. I would like to add that when and who should fast is of course going to be different for every individual. It depends on someone's diet, their weight, their medical history, if they're on any pharmaceuticals. All of these things need to be taken into account. So if you are thinking of doing more intense fasting, certainly please do your own research and or consult with a healing practitioner. If a person, a lady is pregnant or nursing, they should definitely not fast. Uh, intermittent fasting, however, can definitely be beneficial to most anyone. Um, but as always, we need to listen to our bodies and pay attention to what our body is telling us we need. If you have done your research and are wanting to do more fasting, um, I think intermittent fasting, like I said, is probably one of the easiest things for most people to do. And I think the key, as I said earlier, is to just drink a lot of liquids. Keep yourself super hydrated and your stomach full of water or tea, uh, lemon water, those kind of things. And if you're wanting to do a longer day fast, I think one of the keys, um, if you're going to do liquids like juice, fresh juices or clear broths, then make sure you have those things prepared <laughs> because if you get into a bind and it's around lunchtime and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm really, really ravenous, um, but I don't have a juice made or I don't have a broth made, it's going to be easier for you to not follow through. I speak from personal experience. <laughs> um, so make sure that you either have some juices already made or you have all of your ingredients ready to go, cleaned and washed and chopped to put in your juicer. Uh, there's obviously, of course, different places where you can get fresh juices. Um, Clean Juice is a franchise that is pretty much all over the country. They have one. Uh, so you could look into their juice programs. Um, that is something that you can look into or also find a local juicery or an individual who is doing juice programs uh, to support. But I think fasting is very amazing and something that can benefit most all of us, especially in America where we eat way too much. Um, if you haven't noticed the uh, rates of obesity and the amount of people who are overweight is pretty staggering compared to uh, even just 20 years ago. It has gone up drastically. So I think we could all, most of all, all of us could benefit from some fasting, right? Um, so yeah. The next topic 
is about fragrances. Now, many people might be like, what, what does that have to do with health? Fragrance, you know? I mean, I like to smell good. I like for stuff to smell good. And I agree. I do as well. But the problem is, with many things in this country, is that the word fragrance has a lot of different meanings and can mean a lot of things. Fragrance or perfume, not perfume, but perfume, and you'll see that on ingredients of different stuff, P-A-R-F-U-M, is an umbrella term that can mean thousands of different ingredients, literally thousands, 3,000. The International Fragrance Association lists 3,059 materials, to be exact, that can be deemed fragrance ingredients and of course let's not forget that every time we put something on our skin it is absorbed directly into our bloodstream within 15 to 20 seconds now when it comes to where fragrant where you find fragrances they can be found pretty much everywhere in most personal care products including sunscreen shampoo soap body wash deodorant lotion makeup face creams serums perfume and pretty much everywhere in between it is freaking everywhere oh and also you know detergent let's not forget about that what what you wash your clothes in what the heck is in that stuff right so the national academy of sciences says that about 95 percent of chemicals used in synthetic fragrances comes from petroleum or crude oil and from a study done in 1986 They can include uh, benzene derivatives, which are carcinogenic, aldehydes, toluene, and many other toxic chemicals that are linked to cancer, birth defects, and nervous system disorders, not to mention endocrine disruptors. So, and yet, you know, even after this study and many other ones, these toxic ingredients continue to turn up in our products and on the shelves in America, which is very, very disheartening. On the Environmental Working Group's website, it actually says that when you see the word fragrance on a personal care product, that you should read it as hidden chemicals because of this major loophole that it's in the FDA's federal law that lets manufacturers who are creating all of these products Include nearly basically any ingredient, like I said, the 3,000 different uh, different possibilities of what could be in there. So as far as the regulations go, current laws do not provide the FDA with the authority to require disclosure or public safety of fragrance ingredients. This is a quote from uh, a website called... Um, campaign for safe cosmetics. So in the U.S., companies are required to list ingredients on the label. However, this regulation excludes the individual constituents of fragrance in order to preserve fragrance trade secrets, sustaining that loophole that leads to disclosure gaps. The International Fragrance Association and the Research Institute for Fragrance Materials develop and set voluntary standards for chemicals in the, quote, fragrance component of products. The U.S., Canada, and Europe rely on IFRA and the RIFM to identify ingredients for use in fragrance. In effect, this means the international fragrance industry is self-regulating. 
Hmm. Sounds familiar. Sounds like the food industry as well. <laughs> it's pretty much all products um, are basically self-regulating. So I think a lot of people are, I had had someone message me about this one time on Instagram because I had posted that, you know, we all needed to stop using products with fragrance. Now, you know, this also includes candles. Um, I had forgotten to add that. And that 72% of fragranced products contain endocrine disruptors. And the quote from uh, this doctor said, you can't heal if you live in a plume of toxic fumes, which I thought was kind of fun. Uh, and it's true. Um, you know, as far as autoimmune diseases go, women are more, more prone to have autoimmune diseases than men. Um, substantially more, actually. And I think one of the main reasons is that as ladies, we start using these products when we're 13 or 14 or maybe even younger now, uh, years old. And we are slathering ourselves with lotions and spraying on perfumes and, and all kinds of different products that guys are still using. I mean, let's, let's be real. They're using all kinds of gross stuff as well, perfumes. But, but females do use more. I mean, when you look at <laughs> what kind of products you spend if you're a female per year versus your spouse if, if he's a male – uh, or your partner, I guarantee it's a substantial about more. I would say I buy, I don't know, 10 times more products than my husband does. Of course, now I focus on clean products. But when I was younger, oh my gosh, like a teenager, I used St. Ives. That was like my favorite lotion. I mean, I used all kinds of gross stuff and certainly Bath and Body Works. Don't even get me started on how toxic that crap is. I mean, <laughs> if you lived in the 90s and the early 2000s, I mean, Bath and Body Works. Basically, I guess the 90s was when it was really big. Bath and Body Works. Oh, my gosh, y'all. You know, those smells are They make me, like, kind of gag now. And also, let's think about the, the late 90s and the early 2000s and, like, Abercrombie and Hollister and all those places that you walk in. I mean, they, they literally walk around the shop and spray their nasty cologne perfume in the whole place. And you leave, basically, with a headache because these things are toxic. And, you know, the health effects concerns are far reaching. Like I said, causing cancer, respiratory diseases, allergies, of course, not, I mean, of course, that's I mean, no brainer right there that it would cause allergies, endocrine disruptors. So that no wonder, you know, a lot of females are having hormone issues. Uh, that is very common these days, but it should not be considered normal. And this is something that we all need to be very highly aware of when we were buying products and making sure that the companies that we're buying from are not using bad ingredients. One of my favorite places to figure out whether a company is good or not is an app that I use called Think Dirty. It is a fabulous app. Um, that I've had for years. And also the Environmental Working Group has their own app. I have not downloaded that one, but I've heard great things. So those are two places, two great resources to explore the products you're using and figure out exactly what these companies 
uh, have in their products. And the last topic that I want to chat about is freedom. Now, of course, this doesn't apply to any of these things, but in a way it does. Because we should all have the freedom to, one, be able to do whatever we want with our bodies, and two, to be free from even have to worry about this crap in our products, you know? Now, the first one is about being free to do with your body what you want. If you want to fast, do it. If you don't, don't. I don't care. I'm not going to force anyone to do anything with their bodies, just like it should never be forced to have a pharmaceutical injected or taken, whatever it is. However, however that pharmaceutical is administered, that should never be forced on anyone on the planet. I will start with this conversation, quick conversation, with a quote from Ronald Reagan. This has nothing to do with politics. It's just a great quote that he said, whether you like him or not, that's not the point. And you might have heard this quote, but it's a really powerful one, I believe. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men slash women were free. We are at a crossroads here, friends. A crossroads of whether our nation, the United States of America, will actually be free. Free from being forced to have some type of thing put into your body. Free to run your business how you want. Free to live your life how you want. Free to provide for your family without being coerced to take some type of pharmaceutical. I really did not, years ago, I could not have foreseen this, you know. I definitely knew that the powers that be wanted more of this. They wanted more um, mandates, I suppose. They wanted us to be more uh, subjected to their tyranny. (laughs) But I certainly could not have fathomed it going this way and going this far and for so many people to actually be for it. And I suppose that is because they are so fearful. They're so fearful of their neighbor. They're so fearful of going outside Because they turn on that stupid television, which is just feeding them fear. And you feed people fear, and what does it do? It makes them easier to control. It makes them easier to persuade to do certain things, and that is what we're seeing today. And I'm speaking about this because, you know, if we don't talk about it, how is anything ever going to get better? I mean, that's that's. That goes with anything, whether it's a relationship or whatever it is. And if the freaking government is doing something wrong, then you better bet we better talk about it. That was the whole point of the foundation of this country. 
we were trying to get away from this kind of crap. Being overtaxed, being forced to do certain things. I mean, this is literally what we escaped from. And I am afraid that if people don't stand up, what's going to happen? It's not going to be anything good. And anyone who believes that this is the last, that this is the only thing, oh, oh, they're not going to, they're not going to mandate anything else. What? Why? If it starts with this, it's never going to end. These are money makers, friends. These are huge money makers. This is a giant business. Big Pharma is more powerful than the oil industry. Let that sink in because we all think, oh, big oil, big oil, you know. No, no, it's Big Pharma. And, you know, the crazy thing is, like, people even say that, like, oh, Big Pharma, you know, like, they'll talk about it. But it doesn't really sink into their brain of how intense that is and how intense their control is and how their talons are in our government. And our government is being controlled by them. I mean, we have all these conflict of interest, you know, like, different people who worked in government that now work for, you know, Pfizer or... Moderna or or any of these biotech, you know, companies and vice versa. And then we have biotech people who worked for Big Pharma that now work in Congress and and in the government. And that is crazy. That is a huge conflict of interest. Of course, they're going to be trying to manipulate things in the favor of you know who. I am all about freedom to be able to do with your body whatever you want to do. Um, something funny that I have thought about recently is I don't know if you watch the show Parks and Rec but it's hilarious and if you haven't watched it it's great but there's a character on it Ron Swanson who is he works for the government he works for the Parks and Rec department but he hates government and I have never felt more like Ron Swanson in my entire life despite the fact that he he does want everything to be privatized and everything to be corporate which I don't believe in that but this government thing is like really, really disheartening. And it's disheartening to see people not standing up for their freedom. I think they get a little brainwashed thinking because it's always thrown in our face like, oh, America, the brave and the free. And like, but we're not free anymore. There's, there's, that's been, honestly, that's been gone for a while now. If you look at all of the regulations for every, I mean, you can't do jack squat now without having the government over your back. Like, uh, let me, let me sign off on that. Let me give you a permit. Let me do this. Let me do that. <laughs> you know, like they literally make you jump through hoops for everything. The individual has to jump through hoops for everything, whether it's for your house, you want to build on, uh, you know, add on to your house, jump through a hoop. You want to, you know, Buy a car, jump through a hoop. You want to do this? Jump. Th- I mean, everything you do, you have to jump through a hoop. But let's circle back around to the fragrances thing. <laughs> but they can't even protect us and aren't protecting us and don't give a jack squat about what kind of stuff is in our products. And of course, it's not just fragrances. It's all food. We know that. All of our products in this country are not regulated And they're causing us to be sick. And then we get part of the system of the big pharma and healthcare. And then get stuck in the healthcare slash slash sick care, which we know how that goes. It's not really healing anyone. It's just 
barely even maintaining people's symptoms. But anyways, this the point of this rant is that I implore you to be bold and to speak out against what's happening. It doesn't matter if you want it or not. That is not the point. You should have the choice. You should be free to make that decision and not to be coerced and not to have your job dangled over your head or whether you can go to the grocery store or a movie dangled over your head. Let's not forget, people, that this does not, it does not, the CDC, all of these organizations, it has been confirmed, it does not reduce the transmission. I repeat, it does not reduce or stop transmission. All they're claiming is that it can reduce symptoms. Well, let me tell you this. When I'm sick, I want to know I'm sick so I can stay home, so I don't give it to someone. If your symptoms are so reduced that you don't know you have it, and then you're out spreading it to everyone, why do we... And we really think that it's so bizarre that there's been a surge of cases in places that are the most vaccinated? Hmm. Makes a lot of sense to me. So stand up for your neighbor, for their right to choose what is right for them and what they want to do with their body. Again, doesn't matter whether you want it. If you want it, that's great. That is your choice. So that is my rant for the day about freedom. And if we do not stand up against this tyranny and against this authoritarianism, then how are we any different than some other time periods? We're not. History repeats itself. We have not become so enlightened. I mean, that's easy to see. Walk outside. Look at the news. We are not in some utopia enlightened world where everybody is kind and sweet and, and care caring. No, of course not. Humans are humans. They have not changed. We have not evolved beyond anything else. If anything, we have actually gone backwards, I think. So let us not project our morals on the people making these decisions. You know? And there we go. (laughs) I am very passionate about this subject. I think everybody else should be as well. And it's a slippery slope, you know? And we're teetering on that edge right now. We do not want to go off the cliff because if we do, it will snowball and it will not get better until there is a revolution. And perhaps that is what needs to happen. I don't know. I mean, it sounds crazy to even imagine, but that has happened in history. I mean, it wasn't even that long ago when you look at American history of the different wars we fought and different wars we fought for freedom. It is a tiny, tiny sliver of time when we look at our timeline of humanity and timeline of the planet, you know, it's barely anything. So, so stand up, stand up for freedom, stand up for your neighbors, stand up for your friends, right to choose for themselves what is right for their bodies and their families. Now is the time. 
And with that, I will end this episode. I could rant for hours, (laughs) but I'm not going to subject y'all to that. Just give you a little bit of my mind here about these subjects. And I hope that you've learned something. I hope that you feel inspired. And I hope that you will stand up. Until next time, my beautiful, lovely friends, you are the light this world needs so desperately now more than ever. Shine bright, my loves. Until next time, peace and plants.